away to Lovingston. Jordan. Oh, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. Closing five to play in the third. Kobe. Crawford. Hogan. are now tuned into the chat room your favorite ballers favorite podcast all right once again you are tuned into the chat room podcast i am the senator and with me today i got mj going on people and we got coach francis what's going on y'all now we try to include a lot of different people into this. We're trying to bring a lot of different eyes and ears and experiences to this podcast. As you've already seen, we've done our hip hop crossover with the Not So Soft podcast, and we've had players on here. But today we decided to bring in coaches. So not just Coach Francis, we decided to bring other coaches on to give their experiences and their insights on basketball too. So. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. You just say your name, say where you coach, say how long you've been coaching, and then we can get started. Uh, my name is uh, uh, Omar Wilshire. I'm going my first year in coaching, high coaching the, uh, the women's basketball team at uh, George Brown College in Toronto. Uh, my years of coaching have extended from various clubs from uh, SBA to Mumba to CCYA to, and also doing a lot of grassroots programs with Toronto Raptors uh, for many of the years. <laughs> um, and uh, what else again? Sorry, forgot the last part. Oh, no, like just like I'm little experiences, what you've done, all yeah. that stuff. You, you yeah. killed it. I, mean, I killed it. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, my name is Chad Bewley. I've coached, again, a bunch of different grassroots levels focusing on training. Um, I used to play overseas and I did some coaching over there in some of our junior leagues as well. I most recently was coaching at Humber and doing some stuff with the development program for Team Canada down at Lakeshore last summer. So that's a little bit about me. Nice. Um, Tyrell Vernon, I'm currently the associate head coach and head coach in waiting at St. FX University for men's basketball. Um, and then before I was here, I was over at TRC Academy, um, kind of in the prep school ranks for the last, I'd say about four years. Um, again, kind of going back before that, like, um, you know, helped out with the Uplay programs uh, growing up in Hamilton and then um, also finished off with the uh, Nike Bounce program. That's dope. It's we're bringing in. It's good to see the range of experiences and the different levels that everyone's coming with and personal and professional experiences that they're coming with. So I know that this is going to be a really good episode. So let's just jump into the first question then. So currently everyone's excited because basketball's back and everyone's, I'm pretty sure everyone's been watching every single game or as many oh, games sure. as they possibly can. Absolutely. Um, for sure. So who's one of your favorite players to currently watch? And what's one of your favorite players you grew up really watching? Uh, I'll start. I'll start. Um, so yeah, so like my favorite player to watch, just like skill wise, is uh, definitely Steph Curry. Uh, he does some stuff and makes you think about like uh, Harry Potter and Hogwarts, and just he's just magical with it, you know. <laughs> definitely, man. He just he does some crazy stuff. Like he does 
mind-boggling. Um, but from like a competitor standpoint, competitive, uh, it's definitely Westbrook. Uh, that dude that doesn't take plays off. I know like a bunch of guys don't like him because he's uh can be a hothead or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. But like just just off of just being competitive, and he just like like if you were like ask me a question like which guy. Other than the Canadian guys in the league, but which guy from the league looks like he's from he's a Toronto man? It's Westbrook. That's <laughs> <laughs> a business. He goes out there hoops, you know, like yeah, yeah. Like that's 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 something that like I really appreciate. And uh, growing up, growing up, um, you know, like everyone like watching AI. Uh, if you're from Toronto, everybody loved watching VC. Uh, I had VC posters on my wall and everything. Um, so those are two guys that you like, like for the culture. AI had the braids. I had the cutoff sock. I had everything on my arm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, the cutoff sock on the arm. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm a headman. I everything, man. But uh, yeah, those are guys I definitely grew up watching. So yeah, cool. I'll jump uh, in. Uh, favorite player right now has to be Luca. He is incredible. I saw him when he was younger, when he was playing 14, 15 out in Spain, and some of the stuff he was doing over there in the ACB. And I knew that guy was going to be special. Um, talking with some of my teammates over there, one of the big things was the whole comparison of a 15-year-old to LeBron James is always going to be that comparison as the yeah. top. And what Luca was doing at that young age, obviously he's not as athletically gifted as LeBron in some of those areas, but the skill set was ridiculous. And now that he transferred into the NBA, the whole world gets to see on a mass scale against everybody. So right now, he's probably my favorite because he's a magician. He really is when he's playing basketball. And that comparatively um, brings him to what my favorite player used to be growing up who I loved watching and that was magic passers guys who can make the ball do crazy things without putting out much effort efficiency of effort all that kind of stuff I love watching because every single time you watch those guys play you either learn a new move a new look away pass a different bounce pass angle that you've never thought of doing a different spin on it there's always something you can steal from those guys games so love watching them love watching them for right. sure. All right. Nope. Uh, I'll go. Um, my I one current player right now, I got to stay in Toronto, you know, uh, <laughs> the whole city. Love this, uh, working for the team as well, too. Actually, one of my favorite players to start with, but then as the years went by, he's actually grown on me a lot. And I love the dog in him, but and especially watching him last night, you know, struggling at the, at the field and then all of a sudden he's blowing up. But Kyle Lowry, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He has that dog in him. Killed my team last night, man. Killed them. Killed them, boys. 43 and 10? Damn, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he, had, he, had, he, had, he had 14 boards last night, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I tell what happened at the end, though. Ask him where that last shot. What happened to that shot? That 43? <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Damn, man. <laughs> That's okay. Not the same thing. I'm not the same thing. You're a pit bull, man. Anyways. Um, but, uh, <laughs> for sure. Like last night, he proved him. He proved his, he proved his worth. Like he's a smaller guy, but he does. He's relentless, and I like that. To watch that as players. Like as I watch the NBA and watch different players uh, through uh, college and stuff, I like that relentless. Like that intelligent relentlessness. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to show you that you know I'm not coming. I'm not stopping. It doesn't matter what size I have, that dog. Uh, one thing, two players, I have two players I like watch growing up, man. Just because I'm a little guy, I have to find little tricks to 
<laughs> bigger guys on the court when I was younger. Uh, but one guy was Reggie Miller. Like, I like this footwork off the shooting. So I used to watch him a lot, try to copy a lot of his stuff, you know, coming around screen, you know, coming off screen, hands in, and you, and that, that uh, killer instinct of the shooting the three without caution, without, without care, right? So, because I'm a smaller guy, I can't get inside that wrist. So I can't do that with another guy, Alvin Williams, again, another silly cat. I love his game. And he wore my number, number 20. Uh, <laughs> and my last guy that I was watching, I can't, you know, the late great Kobe Bryant. That guy was a killer. I love yes, watching him out there. You know, you really uh, show that man. Even his moment mentality was great, but he was able to manipulate everything on the court. Like he really gets the spot after spot. So I really want, I really analyzed like what he was doing and tried to do it myself because you know I always had to find a different aspect. If you're shooting, it also helped me with my training as well, too, right? So when I was training kids, like, hey, you can get these killer spots. You can get to this spot, stuff like that. So those are my, those are my guys, like Kurt and Pat. Nice. All right. So for me, this is kind of tough. Um, kind of growing up, it's kind of in stages. So, like, you know, when, you, when I first started out, it was like, you know, I was born in the 80s. So, you know, MJ was the first one. Like, you know, three, four years old, you're starting to learn the game. It was always, it started with MJ. Um, and then after MJ, transitioned over to AI. Couldn't tell me nothing. All my book, book reports, AI, assignments, <laughs> AI. Everything yeah, yeah. was AI. Um, and then, you know, step up into high school. Now it's like, okay, now I'm trying to emulate. Okay, what, what does my game look like? Who am I trying to play like? And then it was a lot of uh, Jason Kidd and Steve Nash um, in that high school area. I watched a lot of that. And then, um, but then it kind of, you know, it didn't move once Kobe hit. Like it kind of started taking in what Kobe was doing kind of near the end of high school. And I'm just like, there's just, you know, the Nash stuff, the, the, the kid stuff was great, but how he's kind of driving the game to like a whole other level. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, the, the Kobe effect was kind of, kind of stuck with me kind of to today. Um, and then actually transitioning, you know, Kobe retired and then it's like, you know, I'm in that gray area, like, yo, who do I, you know, who am I going to rock with now? Like, um, and, uh, um, same Mr. Brent in Westbrook, man, Westbrook. I know it's, I get, I get flack for it a lot, but, um, (laughs) it's not necessarily, you know, everyone says efficiency or, you know, shooting percentage, or I don't look at the game like that. I look at the game like who's not cheating the game, who's giving the game everything that it has and who's kind of a throwback to the point of, I'm not trying to be your friend. I think, you know, nowadays everybody kind of wants to be friends and, you know, same team and joke and laugh. And, you know, at the end of the day, the the game wasn't built on that. The game was built on, you know, I'm coming after you, you're coming after me. And then when the game's done or when the season's over, then we can go chop it up and say, what's up. So, um, but yeah, Westbrook is definitely my guy right now. Facts. That's a dope answer. Yeah, I mean, like, it's tough because, like, I, I find it personally that, like, with, like, the emergence of AAU basketball and stuff, there's a lot of uh, intermingling and stuff with teams. So you can have one guy that plays on, like, three different teams and through basketball, you know, like, basketball is a big community, but everyone through basketball knows each other, you know? So, like, kind mm-hmm. of find that, like, that, that kind of camaraderie kind of builds friendship and stuff. And it's just a, it's just a new a new kind of environment that we're in now where it's just like everybody is just everyone knows each other you know so I, I it, it's very cool that Westbrook can kind of separate like that AAU kind of stuff and 
separate that and the, the game of basketball. So like that's like you saying that uh, he doesn't cheat the game. Like that's very, very true. Like he just goes out there and competes. Doesn't matter who he's competing against, he just competes, you know? And then if you're one of the 14 or 15 that's on his squad, you're family. And if you're one of the 14 or 15 that, that he's going up against, you know, it's blood, you know? So like, I definitely rock with that for sure. Yeah, like this is kind of like a short story, but like I remember back in the day, I would like back in the day, it was either you win or you like you go home and you're frustrated. Like that's how that's kind of just how it was. Lose. Like like you couldn't lose. So like to have that kind of like to watch that and see that like on TV like that where it's not okay to lose and you're frustrated to lose like that matter. Like I don't know if you guys know um, uh, Jerome Smith. He does the, the Monarchs and the All In Training in Saga area. But um, like we used to grow up together and we would literally play one-on-one and never be able to finish a game. Cause anytime it was, it was game point, we're fouling each other to the wow. point where we're fighting, fighting, fighting. And yeah. so we have to just go home, yeah, yeah, yeah. like tears in your eyes. <laughs> so like, like, yeah, that's yeah. Just, like that's just kind of how, you know, you know, when you grow up that way, it's kind of like, you know, you appreciate that when you're watching the uh, movies yeah. and, West and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Of course. And that's, that's a problem in the NBA right now. You know, so many games in the regular season, you see guys taking games off. It's yeah. frustrating as a fan, as someone who loves the uh, game. I mean, TV, yeah, yeah. you're talking about respecting the game and giving it all you have, man. When you're watching pros who are making millions of dollars give away games because, you know what, today doesn't really matter to me, that's tough. And you'll see Westbrook, 50,000 games out of the playoffs, down 100, screaming at guys, <laughs> fighting and clawing every step of the way. Yeah. So you're right, 100%, you have to respect those type of players because that's what drives the game. That's what drives everyone in there and pushes everyone to be better. And that's what's going to make the next generation better tomorrow as well. So, you and it's like one one thing is like within me now is that people when I the eighties people should stay on their team. They're all the superstars who stay on their teams, and it'd be a a rivalry, a movie rivalry. Like you come to the gym and then or coming to the arena and the Bulls are here. I remember the, the one game I watched in the Raptors, my first ever Raptors game. I got to see when the Bulls came and when the Raptors won against the Bulls. And that was like a championship game, right? And that was just regular season game. Right now everyone's just really you said A, everyone's playing with each other the whole time. Three you know, there's three people here and they call their guys and they play with each other here and stuff like that. And they get the NBA where everyone's playing with each other. Like, yeah. hey, let me call E D, let me call everyone to play one spot where before it was A D's on that team, Westbrook's on that team, LeBron's yeah. on this team. And we're staying there the rest of the time. If yeah. I don't win a championship, I don't care. Right. I'm still rocking with my team, right? So this is happening anymore. Everyone just mix and mingle, and of course the players have more power now, right? So they can yeah. do that. And that's what's yeah. going down yeah. to these guys in the AU system and all that stuff. Like, I can do whatever I want, right? I'm stay for you for a year, and then I'm going to go over to some other place because my boys on that side and told me to come. <laughs> right? yeah. so, what, what's that teaching kids about adversity? Oh, this team's mm-hmm. tough, or we lost that. Screw it. Don't fight through it. Don't get stronger. It's crazy, man. And like speaking of that, like it's crazy. Like there's like you look at the NBA right now. There's there's really no like beefs in the NBA. Like there's no there's none of that no more. Like there's no the closest like, thing we have to that is probably Westbrook and Damian Lillard. But I, no, like, I don't yeah, even no, 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 know no, if it's like, beef. Like, no, nah, but like, but like that—that's individually though. But like, I mean, like team. Like before, you had like Boston versus Lakers. Oh, what team? Okay. The last yeah, beef yeah, yeah. we had really was like Golden State and Cavs because they went what four, like like four times the final back to back. So like that yeah, that yeah. that consistency of okay, you know what? Like shoot, like I'm seeing the same squad every single year and they're beating my ass. Like 
you, <laughs> you look at like like Jordan when he, when he was playing Pistons, like that was like real adversity. Like that, that's, three, like, yeah. like three years, you go up against the wall, he's getting beat, and then finally he's mm-hmm. like, yo, I gotta get bigger, I gotta get stronger, and then he beat them, and then mm-hmm. you know like the next stage, next stage, next stage, and, we, and like we don't really have that in the NBA today because, as you guys are saying, like guys change teams, guys been playing with each other for a long, long time. So like there's like that yeah. that kind of Adam animosity and that kind of aggression and stuff in the, in the game is kind of gone. Like, you know, like the game is more spread out. It's more, I don't want to say finesse, but it's more skilled. Game yeah, The game is far, sure. far more skilled, right? Spread out. So like, like, I guess that's better for the game of basketball, but I don't know. It's tough, man. I think the beef that happened now is through the crowd. The crowd, yeah, yeah. Toronto going beef with, with uh, Detroit, with always Detroit. Or Detroit beef with some other, it's the crowds are getting yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter, Twitter crowds are getting into it. The players <laughs> don't care. We're getting into it each other, right? We're trying to get <laughs> home. But I also think that, I also think that um, it's evolved just like how the game has evolved. So there are still, it's not considered beef, but there's real rivalries that there still has. Like if you look at Houston and Golden State, right? Like Houston GM is like, we need to be Golden State. We're forming a team to be Golden State. Like they're, they all have a team in mind that they want to, that they're, that they need to beat. Right. Like Philly at this point right now, I think they, they have a pretty decent rivalry with Boston because they keep matching up with Boston and like Raptors, we joked on them. They might have a little issue with us because of all the crying memes and stuff that came out after after the game winning shot last year like it just kind of changed and it's more social media aspects but then you still have the one or two teams that are competing against certain teams like in their mind they have to beat a certain team in order to if they win a championship for them to say that they actually won the championship the way how they wanted to like i think houston needs to beat golden state in order to really win the championship because it was back-to-back years, elimination. They were up, lost. Like, it was, yeah, mentally it pushes I, them, right? I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but for Toronto, as a Toronto kid, Philly has always been that monkey on our back because it was that AI Vince thing when Vince missed that shot that, that broke my soul as a kid. Like, I remember watching that, running outside to my park, taking that same shot 77 times. And like, you know what I mean? Like that was huge. So when Kawhi hit that to beat Philly, that was my championship right there. That was like, okay, we corrected our wrong. We're back on the path we're supposed to be. We're good to go. So for me, I felt that as, as a huge rivalry because that's something that, you know, I've carried from when I was a kid, like that was our only chance as a kid. The Raptors were never good. That was our only chance. So now that we're back and we did that, I feel you when you're talking about Houston and, and Golden State because you need to get that monkey off your back for anything to really have any value after that. Yeah, but I, I guarantee you couldn't go outside and replicate that shot that Kawhi hit. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. MJ, what what was your favorite player? So currently, watch your favorite uh, player growing up. Currently, right now, it's um, it's Giannis. Um, only because like I'm actually watching a, a player like as an adult like grow up and try to get better. He wants to win. We see him. He came in as just like a dunker and he was skinny. Now he put on muscle. He knows what parts of the game he needs to work on. He knows his flaws. So watching him just each year get better and better 
is like is amazing to me. And he doesn't give up on any play. He's he tries to be the best defensive guy, best offensive guy. He's a, he tries to do it all. He doesn't give up on anything. So I respect I respect the hell out of Giannis. If he were to go, interesting you say that, yo, because you 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 hate on Debo a lot, man. I do. Yeah, but DeRozan can't do the same way, man. But DeRozan suck. I think that's different. We don't, we don't put DeRozan in the same conversation as Giannis right now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's facts. I was but just saying, this, the, this, the, the, way, the, way, the way how he's, how he's growing, man. I know, yeah. but like, Giannis is clearly better than DeRozan still has no defense, nothing. Like, he's never been in the talks that Giannis has been in. No, that's facts. So, yeah. Facts, that's facts. Um, and then growing up, like, I, I had no cable growing up, so I had basic channels. I could only watch Raptor games. So it was, just, it was just Vince Carter for me, and I was happy with that. As long as I was able to see Toronto Raptors play, I was, it was, um, yeah, VC was the guy for me. Nice. Uh, Chad, did you give us your favorite player Luka. to watch currently? Luca. Yeah, okay. yeah Luka. he did, he did, he did. For sure. Um, yeah. All right, so for me, growing up, it was Steve Nash. Uh, I just think... Any team that he was on, it just seemed exciting. Like the passes, uh, he was always giving me like 10 to 13 assists a game. You're just like, all right, this is, yeah. Uh, made Amari a hundred million dollars. And then he kind of <laughs> fell off after that. Like it was just, uh, it's just a few things, you know, but like, yeah, Nash. He's and- marrying a shooter, yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember I got injured and I, and when I was, uh, when I was trying to get back onto the court, um, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try the Sean Marion shot to see if it actually works. <laughs> nah, it was. Uh, I was like, right, I'm gonna leave that for him. I'm gonna go back to a real. Yeah, real nobody, stuff. nobody showing that. It's a quick release, though. It's a quick, very quick that. release. If it works, it works, man. Yeah, if it works, and it works. currently, honestly, it just has to be John Morant for me. I just think that that he's just exciting to watch. Um, I think that his never back down attitude. He has like a Russell Westbrook attitude that he's not scared of yeah. anything. So like to yeah. see, see him come in the league like this right now, to see what he's been doing all year and being able to be a fan of him from now and not wait till like four or five years later once he's like really in Fox for like MVP and stuff. And that's when everyone starts with, Oh my gosh, we're going to jump on the John Morant train but like yeah, yeah. from, from the draft being like, I think this, I think he'll do amazing stuff in the league. And then watching to see what he's been doing. I was like, all right, like I'm, this is the one that I want to keep following. Mm-hmm. So I got a question for all the coaches. Um, as a coach, if you had your own team and you could assemble your own team, which player would you choose? A prime LeBron or a prime Kobe? Before we answer, <laughs> do we have any huge LeBron fans in the group right now? We are one. Yeah, there's one. Oh, okay. with a, uh, you gotta be careful then. You gotta be careful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah. it's Kobe. It's Kobe. I, like LeBron, yeah, more freaking nature. I get it. Pass. Uh, you know, what I mean, c- kind of. You can kind of see he kind of has more control of the game, I guess, per se, like with the ball in his hands. Kobe was more of like, I'm going to do it myself, 
LeBron's more so, hey, I'm going to go share this ball, get guys shots. You know, if I get a double team mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm going to give it up. But I just feel like the mentality behind it, that's, that's what I'm going after. Like, at the end of the day, I would rather someone who's going to go down, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. The way that Kobe's going to go down rather than, you know, the way Braun goes down. The way Braun goes down is like, okay, my team didn't do this or, you know, guys didn't hit shots or, you know, this didn't work. Like, where Kobe's like, no, 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 it was me. It's on me. Like, we didn't, it was me. So, like, I like that kind of approach to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I just, and then just how he led was a little bit different. Like he, he was a little bit more chippy, you know, got into guys' faces probably a little bit more than Bron does. Bron's more of a friendship guy, handshakes, you know, camaraderie, everybody together. Um, but I just feel like, like to get the job done, it's kind of been kind of proven. Like you see how MJ did it, you know, to get his six, you see how Kobe, you know, even though Shaq was there too, but Shaq, you know, Shaq, Shaq, you know, called guys out too, but like, there's kind of a blueprint behind it a little bit. Like I think if LeBron had what Kobe did in regards mm-hmm. to, you know, how he talks to this guy to make sure guys are accountable. I think he has those rings over those, those be scary guys already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If LeBron had, that, if LeBron had that, menta- that mentality, it would be scary for the league. Yo, the mentality is, is, is huge. And I have to really agree with TV on that. I mean, as a coach, I haven't seen LeBron par too well with too many coaches. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I do know Kobe. And Kobe will break his leg for you. Hey, Kobe, I need 20 rebounds tonight. Hey, Kobe, you're going to play the one and move the ball. Hey, Kobe, I need 81. Like, Kobe will do whatever it takes, no matter what, to win. Kobe will scream at his mom if it, if it gets him a win. <laughs> That's fact. LeBron is, LeBron is not that guy. And although he's a freak of nature... And the gifts that he has been given are unparalleled in the game of basketball. I want a killer on my team. But that's Easily. that's me. Easily, man. I think I'm I don't I, I don't really want to jump on the train too much, but y'all like the guys in the podcast, y'all know my favorite player is Kobe. So without a without a doubt, no questions asked. Kobe. He's I think personally he's a better player, better leader. Uh, mentality is just as far as fast as what Braun does. The the one thing Braun has and I think uh, uh, TV touched on it. His feel for the game is like remarkable. Like he can, like the pass that he makes on the baseline. Like like his feel, just just know where guys are. Know like knows how to get guys the ball and in, in rhythm, in in their pocket. Like it's remarkable. It's, it's it's really special. But what I always find is that what I I hate personally is that he always deflects it. I, I, as TV said, like if something goes wrong, it's always well. Like this, like uh, Kyle Corver when, when he would pass the ball to Corver in the corner, he was like, "Well, Corver is a thirty-nine, whatever percent shooter," and like that. That stuff to me frustrates me. Whereas Kobe, like Kobe, just said, "Shit, I should give him a better pass." You no, know? like stuff like that, you know. But um, for sure, it's Kobe for sure easily. Kobe, Kobe would never have said I should have given him a better pass. Kobe would have uh, said I should have oh. shot it. That's what Kobe would have said. That too. That too. <laughs> But people forget Kobe, Kobe averaged like five assists a game, six as a scorer. So like, so like when, six, yeah. so like when when guys tell me Kobe that like it's a hog and stuff, I'm like, y'all are just speaking like on your ass. Y'all like look at facts. <laughs> you look at facts, but uh, is what it is, man. I think for me again on the bandwagon, Kobe Bryant would be my primary pick. But I think between both of them, like LeBron and Kobe, I think the I, the how you say it? 
surpassed to where they've gotten to is almost the same mentality because I, I would say like the only difference is that Kobe started in the, the actually part of the conferences, different conferences. So the West has always been not say strong, but just more systematic in certain things. So you had to push through and learn about different systems. And then Kobe wasn't, uh, Kobe was great, but he wasn't great until Phil started getting his hands on him and started molding into uh, what he was going to be at with five to five championships, right? And then LeBron, he's just a freaking nature. Like, I, yeah. He was a, a nine, uh, 18-year-old, six, nine, six, almost six, ten guy that can do everything in the court. And when the East lives, the East was a more blue-collar play, right? So when he first came in, he was killing guys. He was doing everything. He was doing trying to throw the clutch shot up, doing everything. But then I guess he realized that in order to maintain his longevity, he said, you know what, how do I change this? And now he turned into something to, okay, the East is very easy to pass these things and get other people involved. But now you see he's in the West and he's like a different beast, right? With the... Uh, where whether the eighth team in the West is the is the third team in the East, is yeah. the three in the East, right? So just a different yeah, mentality. The paths are different, but a hundred percent Kobe because that guy's just his intelligence, the way he grew his game just by asking questions and getting being detailed and pushing. He just as you said, uh, the the documentary, the MG documentary last day, yeah. Right? He said it in his thing. Everything that he has done was 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 taught by MJ. MJ did everything for him. So we saw the we saw the relentless. We saw the you know I'm not gonna I'm gonna be terrible with my teammates. All that stuff in real life before we got to see MJ do that 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 uh, documentary. You see the, the, the similarities of what their their past were. Yeah, exactly the same. We said we got to see Kobe go through it and not to like, see MJ go through it because we're younger kids. We don't know anything, right? We saw. MJ goes through the magical of his, his, his game. So, 100%, I would say Kobe Bryant because that guy is, uh, he just, he'll just grew, he'll just, doesn't matter who he put with him. Paul Gasol, Andrew Bynum, doesn't matter. Uh, Kwame Brown, he's still going to do that. He's still going to do that. So, Kobe Bryant, 100%. So before we move to the next question, I want to give MJ the chance to say something because everyone chose Kobe, <laughs> and as no, a that's okay. as a LeBron resident on on this podcast, we have to give him a chance to say something. <laughs> I just I just have a question. I just have one question. There we go. Mike Brown, Mike Brown, Coach Mike Brown, coach both LeBron and Kobe. Who do you think he enjoyed coaching more? Kobe. And just remember the look that Kobe gave him before he got fired. Go ahead. <laughs> Bruh. No, no, honestly, listen, man. I think, like, Kobe, don't get me wrong. Kobe wasn't easy to deal with. I think, um, you know, Mike Brown early coming up. But, like, Braun, they're both not easy with Kobe. Like, Braun, at the end of the day, Braun is going to micromanage everything. Sure. Right. If you're if, if, if you're coaching Braun, you're just there along for the ride, and then you basically after practice and after games, you're gonna go check on Braun, see what's going on, and then go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to have you have to have some type of 
like to, to coach any of them, even if it's Kobe, Braun, any of those guys, you need to have a coach that has some type of pedigree in order to go in there and basically hold For those sure. guys accountable. So like the Mike Browns, the, what was that? The, the foreign coach that came in, tried to coach the Cavs, the, yeah, like guys who haven't really won in the league. It was tough for yeah, where like Tyron Lue went in there. You know, he was with the Lakers. He was with that Kobe. So he had that kind of, you know, I've, I've won something. I've been on programs that win. So, you know what I mean? Like you always heard stories of Lou kind of putting Brown in his place. Like, no, 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 no. You're not yeah. playing defense right now. Or you're not doing this. You're not doing that. But mm-hmm. like, honestly, like, at the end of the day, like it's, it's going to go down. They're both, they're both going to go down as some, some of the greatest of all time. It just literally comes down to, do you like the, the team environment type of feel where, you know, everyone's involved and everyone gets to kind of shine with it or do you like the you know at the end of the day i'm gonna go down on my sword and you know like it just how you grow up yeah? right mm-hmm. yeah i mean all yeah. right so when the coach is in here um yeah i kind of want to see i want to see something mj hey, go ahead. which one would you, you which one would you rather have five or three Facts. Oh my lord! <laughs> it, it depends what we're talking about. Nine, nine times in three, or five and five. Five rings on one hand is a little heavy, you know. So maybe maybe three. <laughs> oh my lord! I was shy. That answers not, everything right there. I was trying not to get into, into the whole ring thing. I was trying to avoid it. I didn't want to get into it, but. No, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't want that to come up because MJ would be like, you know, one for Cleveland is like five for LA, so uh, technically it's uh, they uh, had like uh, seven. Uh, so who said that again? <laughs> who said that again? Essay said that. Crazy man. LeBron. No, no, it was LeBron said that. No, Bro, he's was on that show, Shannon? man. Was Shannon? How no, it wasn't Shannon. It wasn't Shannon, man. It was the white guy, man. I forget Max? his name. Nick. No. Nick, Nick it was Wright. Nick. That's who it was. Nick, Nick Wright. Wright. Was. Yeah, Nick he's the one that said that crazy. That's what it was. Nick's, Nick Wright. Yeah, yeah, he's he he's on something else. But uh, but he's yeah, the president right. of the fan club, man. And yeah, Nick he's on. the president of the fan club. Yeah, yeah. I don't even like That's him. Something. That's how bad it is. I don't even like him. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. He's bad on. He's like, he's on something, man. But um, <laughs> yeah, for the coaches in the in the room, you know, like um, kind of want want you guys kind of take take us through your journey. Like, how did you guys get to like like where you are? You know, like. What was that kind of like for, for you guys? I'll go first, man. Uh, so my journey started, um, my journey basically was a snowball. It's a snowball effect, really. Uh, I started high school with, actually started with the Raptors in high school, doing like grassroots stuff for them, going around the, remember the free clinics that had like David Sotomayor and all the guys come around and do like a Ryerson University and stuff like that. So I was, asked to uh, help out with like the little, little kids. I mean, eventually when I was doing that, they liked what they saw and they said, hey, can you come around and do some more stuff? So again, started there and it snowballed into more and more as we go through the Raptors. And as we're going through the Raptors, start connecting with certain uh, basketball clubs like Basketball Canada, Ontario Canada, uh, Ontario Basketball, IMB Canada, stuff like that, and doing a lot more grassroots with them. Um, through my journey, I ended up meeting a lot of people during our journey. And, uh, my coaching started, my coaching love started when um, I got to opportunity to coach this Asian girls team, the CCIA. So they do a big tournament every year, uh, different parts of the city, and they're able to get, you know, a bunch of, I started like 20 girls and trying to get 20 girls on a court 
Um, so he goes on the court with 18 and a half. It's, it's <laughs> tough, tough, tough <laughs> to do. Right. Some people are going to be crying at the end of this. But yeah, I started there. And then again, it just snowballed to more and more coaching around the city. Different clubs are asking me to, you know, help out here, do something there. And then, you know, uh, as I got into 2009, 2010, um, I heard that Centennial College, uh, the women's team was being built, rebuilt. Right? They didn't have a varsity team for a long period of time. So one of my friends on that team, she's like, man, our team sucks. Like, can you just help us? So I'm like, all right. So I'll come in and just check. And I went to the coach. I'm like, hey, coach, you know, I have done basketball around the city and stuff, showing my resume. And like, I can just come. I just want to, you know, help out where I can. But I also want to see how programming is built. Like, how do you build a program from not being in it to being in it? So they all said, cool. You know, I sat down in private school week and the girls would come to me and these girls, they were great. They were good girls. This basketball said, lack of IC wasn't always there. So they asked me certain questions. And the coaches saw that and they offered me a spot on the, on the assistant coaching spot. So I did that for three years in Centennial. Um, great season, cultural-wise and, and, uh, and uh, what's it called, chemistry-wise. Well, uh, winning record. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. I'm not going to get into that. You can go into the title. It doesn't see all that. Not a lot of, a lot of uh, check marks on the winning side. But, um, but then after three years, you know, uh, that journey ended and then ended up doing more more stuff with the Raptors, uh, going across Canada, doing uh, grassroots programs across the from um, Nova Scotia to Vancouver, doing stuff with them a lot more. And then eventually, uh, as of 2017, uh, one of the coaches I used to coach with in the Raptors camp, Warren Williams, uh, came to me and goes, hey, I heard you play the you coach for Centennial. Do you want to coach with us? I'm like, okay, sure. So jumped in that bandwagon, and ever since then, I've been uh, with George Brown for the last three years, and it's been a great experience. Coach Warren, uh, hey, Coach Warren Williams, he's been with Ontario teams and Canada basketball, uh, national team, I mean, uh, you uh, U15, U17, U-boys team and stuff. So he has a lot of experience and he taught me a lot through the last few seasons. Uh, last few seasons having a, you know, us having a great a winning record coming into the last three. Uh, and uh, yeah, so from that, from then, from the past, well now it's just been a lot of getting experience with other coaches, other players, other players, other spots. And so now I'm here where uh, Coach Williams, you know, he stepped down for this year. And he decided, and George Brown decided to uh, appoint me as interim head coach for this, this COVID year, which has been <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's been my journey. There's a lot, I would say if I wrap my journey, if I put my journey in a ball, it would be, on uh, one word, it would be, um, uh, how do you say it? What was the word she like had a minute ago? Um, Ah, uh, shoot, I lost the word. Anyway. That's cool. Uh, I would say perseverance. I would say perseverance. Perseverance, there you go. Perseverance. Just going through the, the motions, you know, going across the sea through the different the GTA in the back and with the basketballs in hand and, you know, asking questions and still keeping with it to getting to my goal now. So perseverance, I would say. It's amazing, man. Stuff, cool. man. I mean, uh, for me, 
my coaching journey is is tied right along my playing journey the whole way. I had a really, really good high school coach, and he was always talking to me about like the ideas behind the game. You know, guys go out and play, and it's not always the fastest guy, the biggest athlete, the best. Like those aren't the things that always win. There's so much thinking to the game of basketball, and so he really put me on that at a very early age, which kind of helped me not being too athletic, be able to get into rooms that I shouldn't have been in. So um, growing up like that, I always had an affinity for the coaching side of basketball and, and watching that. And I remember I'm going to workouts and I'm bringing my, my teammates with me, training them, and I'm running training sessions as a player and I'm doing all this different kind of stuff going up. So coaching has always been a part of that journey. And uh, my basketball career got derailed for a little while, long story, but uh, I was at York and I was playing there, and then I ended up coaching there in my last year. So I kind of did like an apprenticeship coaching there um, with Tom Oliveri and, and trying to learn about all that other stuff on the other side because the deeper you go into basketball, the more you know that you know nothing because there's always more to learn. And so yeah. being on that really kind of opened my eyes. Like, holy, like, I'm a basketball player. I think I'm amazing. I don't know anything about this sport that I've been playing for the last 10 years, like trying to really deep dive into that. And then I got back into playing. And from that point on, it was always like, my goal is to end up coaching. So I did some stuff uh, in the city and I was coaching and training players. I was working with elite camps for a very long time, running a lot of camps and kind of building up that uh, small detailed step type training stuff. Um, Went overseas and I was coaching a lot of their junior programs. And I was just loving that, like taking your own team and, and building it the way you want and, and putting your blueprint down on your style of basketball and being able to see it. It's like being an architect. So that thing has always kind of fascinated me. So when I was overseas, my coaches at Humber knew this. And so the first chance they got when I was home for a little bit, like come coach, come coach right now. You want to coach, come out, help us out. I did that and uh, haven't really looked back since. Been Been being wherever I can. COVID kind of put a damper on all this basketball stuff, but I still get out with a lot of my guys one-on-one. And, uh, yeah, now it's just seeing what happens at the end of this year. Because I know for, for a lot of us, schools aren't doing anything until January. And what happens after January is kind of a toss-up at best anyways. So trying to find a great situation and find some, some great players and find some good homes for some of my guys starting up next year after this whole confusing year happens because with eligibility and stuff, there are so many players who have lost out due to this. So for me during this time, my whole thing is trying to make sure that their careers don't get derailed and they just leave basketball on the side because a wrench has been thrown into all of this. So that's kind of my focus right now with coaching and, and with some of my players and just kind of the short form for how I got to where I'm at now. That's tough, man. That's great. Um, see mine, it was a little bit like, I didn't have that kind of, you know, coach back in the day to kind of really kind of school me the way kind of like Chad's did, but it's kind of still kind of connected. Um, just basically, you know, me growing up, um, and then kind of in a later part of my career, kind of just, I used to be more of a scorer when I was younger and then being more of a point guard when I was kind of, you know, later in my career, you kind of had to look at the game like a coach. And, you know, when I was playing my last couple of years at um, St. FX and then when I went on to, you know, I did some some overseas stuff, had some deals out there, but the money wasn't great. So I ended up coming back, played with the power, the saga power, ended up um, doing teachers college at the same time. Um, but 
it was kind of at that time, I was never thinking of being a coach, to be honest. It was literally just, you know, give this basketball thing as a player everything you have. And then, you know, to be honest with you, it was kind of like when it was almost coming to an end, I was almost looking at myself like, well, what do I want to do next? Right. So um, and then that's when I went again, like I went to teachers college. I said, you know what, I'm just going to go teach. And then if, if I just co coach locally, then I'll just coach locally. Um, but then I ended up coaching um, uh, my last couple of years. I would help out with with you play like with uh, my younger brother was on the same team with uh, Shea um, in Hamilton. So just I kind of started working with their point guards. And I'm like, shoot, I actually, I don't mind this. And then I'll go, you know, um, uh, do some summer league stuff. Um, me, me and Chad were teammates for most of it. Um, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, I'd go back to the community and I'd do some more community work. And I'm like, you know, I think, uh, I, think I, I, could, I could do this. But at that time, you know, it's not like you could just come out of what we were doing and go into, you know, a college or university and make the money, you know, that would be, you know, beneficial to live with. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, let me just go to teacher's college, be a teacher, you know, go that route. And then um, again, right almost near the end of teacher's college, I got a call to go over to TRC Academy. Um, and then, you know, first year there, I was a teacher. So I was a teacher and I was a trainer and um, some people moved on. And then I took over for the head coach that first year. We ended up going um, to the finals of the OSBA the very first year. We lost by two points to Orangeville, um, Ignis, um, a bunch of those guys over there. And, um, and we were young at the time. So then right away, it was like, I never coached like a, a, on a high level like that. And then we kind of made it to the highest level of, you know, high school basketball in the country. And then, you know, you're getting the people saying, you know, you could do this, you could do that, like looking into it differently. But that whole year, I was looking at it like, what would I do as a point guard? How would I do things, you know, if I was just talking to my teammates? And so looking at it that range, I was never looking at it like a coach. I was just looking at it like, if I was playing with these guys, what would I want to see? So it's mm -hmm. actually crazy. So the whole year we were running pack line defense, <laughs> but I didn't know that it was pack line until yeah. two years later, I was sitting and talking with some higher level coaches and they're like, Oh, that's pack line. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, <laughs> pack line. But that's, it was just like, <laughs> I was doing what I was doing as a player that looked that that was right. But I just didn't know the terminology of things. Um, mm -hmm. So then again, after the first year, went to the finals. Next year, a bunch of guys came back. We ended up having six D1 guys that year. Uh, we ended up winning the, uh, the championship that year. We lost all those six, kind of retooled a little bit. We won it again, um, under, definitely underdogs that year. And then, you know, at that time now, I'm like, okay, I have an identity, offense, defense, you know, what kind of kids that I want to go after. Um, you know, just knowing kind of what I am as a coach, trying to build that identity. Mind you, the whole time I'm doing this, I'm calling Coach K because um, he was my coach in university and trying to help me with that identity, help me with, you know, how to practice plan, how to you know, implement things and, and, you know, build a culture. And um, so he was kind of following my whole journey. And if you guys don't know, like Coach K is the winningest coach in um, Canadian University basketball, right? Been doing this for, he's going on year 46. Yeah, and it's crazy. So when he saw, I think it was around the time when I won the first championship going into that second year, I got the phone call from the athletic director. And they're kind of like, hey, listen, Coach K's, you know, he's going to retire, um, you know, can't do it forever. So let's try to work a succession plan together uh, where, you know, you work with him you know, and then, you know, he retires and then you take over afterwards. 
So, um, so yeah, then we ended up again, that was right before we kind of won the championship in Ontario that last year and then kind of moved my way over here. And then, um, it's been kind of great ever since it's kind of like, obviously I love the high school level and the prep level. And, um, but once you get to this level, like the university level, college level, it's just it's more in depth. You kind of feel it's, you're, it's more of a basketball purity to it. You kind of put more time in instead of dealing with, you know, parents or, you know, everyday things that go on. Yeah. It's kind of like, you can kind of go definitely dig more into the basketball and um, get to know your players and, um, the skill work and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, that's basically it, man. Long winded, but that's it. That's good, man. That's good, man. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, like the biggest thing I notice with with this level, like I'm I'm ACAC and stuff. And the biggest thing I notice is it's not necessarily the basketball side of things because at this level, guys know how to play basketball. They've been playing ball their whole life, so it's like. Yeah, you want to like like uh, fine tune some some things and, and kind of get into playing your style of basketball. But for the most part, I've noticed like I'm just a coach. I've been doing it for three years and stuff. But it's just been outside of basketball, like making sure guys are good, like making sure they got food, making sure they got somewhere to live, making sure like like they're staying on top of schoolwork, making sure that they're they're <clears throat> they're, they're not going through uh, girl problems, making sure that they're staying out of trouble, like. Like that's what I've noticed. Big, that, that's the biggest thing. Like just getting them on the court. Once once they're on the court, this basketball, right? So, um, but yeah, I'm um, kind of just switching gears, kind of a little bit. Um, what are some of your guys like most memorable moments coaching? You know, like things that kind of like either kind of brought you to the next level, or things that are less, like 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 uh, winning a championship, or um, seeing somebody that you've coached kind of get that next level and, and kind of. Um, accomplish their dreams like what are some things that you're like yeah that was a big uh, big moment for me I'd say for me it's 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 a it's a pretty easy one um I mentioned how kind of my basketball career got derailed for a little bit and uh going to Humber kind of gave me a second chance and kind of changed my whole life got me back into basketball and got me doing things I would have never done otherwise so that second opportunity that second chance that really changed my life is, was so huge for me. My goal in coaching was to give that to other players. So if you look at the Humber roster over the last three, four years, we have a whole list of guys from other teams where coaches weren't really feeling their game. They didn't fit quite right. They were kind of fed up with it. And just being in the community and being around these guys kind of pulled them all in, pulled them in together. And uh, one of my players who wasn't a starter on either of his last two teams, wasn't really playing, wasn't getting much time, was just sitting around at home, brought him out to a couple of practices, got him on the team, signed his first pro contract this year after being with us for a year and a half and kind of revitalizing his career. And this year seeing a couple, like, because I've been at Humber for now for three years. So this is my first class really of, of graduating players seeing guys who were struggling in school, switching from three, four different places, leaving with a degree, being able to do something for their future. Those are the coaching moments to me that stand out. Not even the basketball stuff. It's about how we're developing these young men to become better people in society and how we're going to change their lives for their betterment. Because those are the same guys who come back around and give back to the game of basketball, you know? So graduation ceremonies, co-signings for a couple of my guys, that has been the the biggest biggest thing for me for sure. It's a big impact. That's, yeah, sure. that's facts. Yeah, that's facts. 
I'll, I'll jump on I'll jump on the bandwagon with Chad then is that the second chance. So my first chance with Centennial, um, it was good, again, it was a good experience for some learning, uh, what it looked like, what college looked like. Uh, I didn't get to play college basketball or anything like that, so to be a part of a team to uh, grow it was very exciting to me. It was like, okay, I get to, you know, know these ranks, what these look like, you know, going game to game, stuff like that. Um, but at the end, you know, it didn't end in a good way. Uh, so I learned a lot of not how to, not to do at that spot, but I still have a lot of great uh, friends and great people and staff there. But to have the second chance and able to do it the right way uh, with George Brown, you know, Warren was coming under his wing and gave me the opportunity to uh, uh, deliver my philosophy. I had to be a defensive coach for the last three years and I uh, got to deliver uh, our, our defenses and able to, you know, create off of that and, you know, connect. And through all that, we were able to, you know, have a successful season. So the second chance of just coming in and just getting to do it the right way and getting to the OCAA uh, final eight uh, two years for the last few years, you know, I didn't get to over the hump of the first round, but got there. I got there. I got to see that level of playing and, as you said, uh, just with the women's basketball time, this basketball side is different. It's different, uh, different connecting with them. Because once you uh, once you start with the family aspect, you still got to do the uh, what, why, and how stuff. Try to figure that out part so, so they understand what they're doing on the court or on and off the court. So yeah, as I said, my my memorable moment of coaching is getting a second chance to come do it again in the college system. Uh, with, with George Brown and having been able to, um, having able to, you know, do it, or do it in a way where I can, I can grow and learn and able to get the opportunity to, to take this year on as a head coach, uh, and, and give my philosophy. I'm one of the, I'm very green in the, in the books of you guys. Here's Chad and, uh, <laughs> and, and, I know here, right? I'm right, and, and Mr. Francis there. But um, I'm a little green, but hey, I'm excited to jump in. But yeah, that'd be my memorable moment. My, memorable, my most memorable moment is just getting the second chance to step on the court again and put on, I put on the George Brown uh, coach's sweater and tell someone what to do again. That was great. <laughs> that was a great moment. <laughs> um, I think the most memorable is kind of just kind of similar, not exactly what Chad was saying, but it's the process of it all. Right. And then to get to kind of break it up into seasons, right. You can kind of see like the process from the beginning and then getting to the end, right. You'll kind of, if you don't make it, you kind of look at that process and say like, what, like what didn't happen or what should have happened during that year that could have got us to that level. And I think, you know, that first year when we had lost and then, you know, be able to come back that next year and to look at all those guys, you know, and how they kind of flipped and changed, you know, their process on how they basically just approached everything. Like to lose that championship that first year and to, to see how kind of myself and all of them kind of came together and said, okay, we're gonna flip this. We're gonna operate in a different fashion. We're gonna be more professional with everything that we do um, and to see them, you know, buy into that and then, you know, get their ultimate goal. I think that one um, kind of stands out to me, you know, it kind of not only, 
that I have a bunch of guys that weren't highly rated, didn't have, you know, much scholarship offers to, you know, by the end of the season because, you know, and have six guys go and reach their goals of, you know, playing at the highest level or playing university basketball at a high level. I think that one kind of stands out to me as one of my most memorable. Um, I think, and then also I would kind of give it to um, my first year coaching um, at, at St. FX this past year. And that first game kind of, you know, just knowing that now I'm at a different level. So like, you know, when you're a player, you kind of move up in levels, right? And you can kind of feel like gratification for moving up in those levels where, you know, as a, it was different now as a coach, because now as a coach, I started at one level and then I moved up to the next. So that was kind of, you know, very memorable for me to be like, you know, now the coaching is now took me to another level. I get that. I get that. That's tough. That's tough, man. All right, MJ. Um, is there any advice you guys would give to future recruits looking to continue their basketball careers at the college level? It's not about you. <laughs> I, I, I know it sounds crazy for a kid who wants to be recruited, but it is not about you. And that is as much for your team and your coach as it is for the players. I mean, you look at players who are like, oh man, this coach keeps calling me. Yeah, but he's got four point guards ahead of you. You're not playing until your <laughs> fifth year. You have no chance of getting on the floor and developing in-game. Maybe right. it's not about you and, and what you want. Maybe you got to find a different situation. Maybe there's a guy who's going to be handed the keys first year and he's not ready for that. That could derail your whole career because now you're looked at it as not that guy, you know? Maybe you need a year to grow with somebody else. So you've got to kind of look at situations and how you fit. And it's not, yo, listen, I beat this guy one-on-one, -on -one, so I'm better, so I deserve this. No, it's not about you. You got to figure out what a team needs to help them win, and you got to be able to come in and do that better than anybody else, right? So being able to, to find fit be, for you and for the team, being able to use your strengths as best possible that fit within a team. If I am seven foot two, 350 pounds, unguardable, maybe I don't play with the fastest team in the league. Might be a possibility. I'm not gonna be able to keep up to get the ball to even show anything, you know? So stop thinking so much about, well, I'm good, well, I want this or I want that. Think about what's gonna develop you, what's gonna help you. Think about what teams you could help and how you could fit and match with coaches because basketball is not a game of right and wrong. Basketball is a game of following through philosophy. And if you can't attach yourself to certain ideals, you're gonna be clashing with your head coach constantly. And that's not a good situation for anybody. So I just say, get past yourself, look at whole situations and try and be holistic about the game instead of just, yo, I'm a good scorer. I should play and take 40. I don't care if there's anybody else that does it on this team. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, I'll say on our for the future recruits. Uh, the school part. Know what you want to do, right? I mean, it's not much. It's so frustrating. When last, uh, I do a lot of the recruiting with uh, most of the recruiting now, um, and talking with athletes, and you don't know what their life. Are, and that's okay, and 100% okay with that. I try to encourage them before, if I get them like, if they're not going to grade 12 or you know, they're finishing out grade 12, to have a list of things that they might want to do, 
right? Because eventually some people don't come into college not liking a program and then having to, you know, they don't know how to get out of the program or they don't know how to uh, ask the right questions to change the program or how do you, or what else is interesting or something else is interesting to them. So I tend to, when I talk to recruits, like, hey, what is your, what are your three careers that you think that you'd love to do? You know, what's your top one, what's your middle one, and what's your other one? Because, again, um, the school-wise is a big part of our, what we do. Like, if you can't do the school, you can't play the game. And that, that hurts everything on the court, right? Uh, to recruit you, you be the best player, but I can't use you if you're not eligible to play. And it all comes down to that schooling part, that career part. So uh, for future recruits, I would say start if you're in grade 11, grade 9, grade 10, 11, write a list of 25 careers that you think that you, could, that you would be interested in and start narrowing it down every year. So when you come into college, you have at least three that you could look at a program that has those three programs in it. So if you don't like this program, you can switch it and without having it to damage your basketball career or your eligibility or X, Y, Z. That's the most frustrating thing for recruits, especially is the school part, right? You can only go so far and try to tell you to go to class and do your study hall and be on top of you if you don't like the program, right? right. So I would suggest that would be one of my uh, for advice for the future to recruit the school. That's good. Smart. Um, on my end, it's kind of a tough one, but I would say kind of the, the main thing, kind of cliche, but incoming recruits, what I would kind of gauge, what I kind of gauge the most is, you know, how much sacrifice and how much do you really love the game? And like, there's a bunch of different ways to kind of get to that and to kind of, you can kind of show yourself in a lot of that. There's some people that love the game for what the game can kind of provide as in, you know, status or, you know, um, social media, whatever kind of praise they can get out of but there's some people that love the game because they love the game. And I think if there's some advice to give to the kind of young guys coming up is that you don't just love the game of basketball when you're playing 30, 40 minutes a night, you have to love the game when, you know, you, maybe you're playing five, maybe when you're a freshman and you're just trying to, you know, make a name for yourself or, you know, you're just trying to gain the trust of your coach or, you know what I mean? Or love the game and the fact of, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm lower on the tonal pole this year, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to sulk because I love the game so much that I'm here to win. Cause that's what the game is about. The game is about wins and being a part of a team. Basketball ain't tennis. Basketball isn't a single track and field sport, right? It's about winning. So I think that you guys, I think young kids kind of coming up into this, they got to gauge how much do they love the game into what everything the game kind of provides. And um, I think that's kind of, you kind of see it like t- kind of what Chad was saying, it's like people, they expect to play because they have a certain skill set or they expect to get things because, you know, someone maybe told them that they could do this. But at the end yeah. of the day, when you're in that, in those lines with those 15, you know, whatever kind of how many players you have on your roster, you're competing from day one. And then once it gets to preseason, you're competing again. And then once the season starts, that, that, that lineup is kind of set unless there's injuries. So you guys, you have to be comfortable with, you know, accepting change, understanding that, you know, you have to understand that adversity helps. Um, because I'll tell you right now that the best things that happened to me were the times were my worst times in basketball. 
to be honest. The two, mm-hmm. like times where I got cut, um, times when, you know, I, sh- I, th- I thought that I should have made something, but I did it. Those, I didn't let that affect me to where I kind of showed myself as a negative person. I made that affect me as in, no, no, I'm going to prove them wrong. So I think that, but that, again, that comes down to the love of the game, right? You have to love the game a lot to be able to have the game kind of punch you in the stomach and you still love it back. So um, I think that, you know, for, for the young guys coming back, man, I think coming into this basketball stuff, especially at the high levels, you have to really love this thing. And that goes down to, you know, being professional in the classroom, because again, if you, die, if you don't, don't do the classroom thing, then you don't play. Um, that comes down to the work, to, to the weight room. If you're not in the weight room, to be honest with you, you don't play. Um, and, or you won't get what you want out of it. Basketball, simple. So it kind of, it's kind of everything, right? And it kind of translates because once you give all that sacrifice and once you kind of buy into everything that it takes to kind of be the highest level of a basketball player, you go into any workplace in the world and you know what sacrifice is like, you know what teamwork is like, you know how to talk to people, you know how to open doors for people um, and you know how to communicate. So I think um, all those things kind of jumbled up together, but I, I just put that into the love of the game. Facts. Dope, dope, dope. And... At this point right now, this is where we want to give you guys the opportunity to plug anything that you're working on, plug your social media. This is just a chance for you to just let everyone know where they can find you and what stuff you're currently about to engage in. Uh, you know me already, man. It's a real deal. Underscore Francis. Um, yeah, you know, just just waiting to get back in the gym. You know, as, as Chad kind of touched on, like we... The OCA, OCA, like not OCA, like the CCAA, uh, nothing's really going on until January. So it's just right now, just kind of getting guys ready for the start of the season. So, you know, like individual stuff or whatever they're doing, you know, trying to figure out like housing stuff and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, like I'm just, you can just find me trying to get ready for the season. You know, we're hosting nationals this year. So fingers crossed, everything works out with COVID. Uh, never, you don't know, you know, but um, yeah, we're, we're, preparing for that you know so bringing back the same roster got some recruits so that's where i'll be at you know that's it <laughs> for me it's um at 21.drip on instagram or you can follow my clothing line at drippy supply and yeah that's where you can find me you guys can uh check me out on instagram coach underscore chad underscore b or you can check out uh at synergy underscore league every summer in toronto get all the best players out there and it's just basically college and pros invitational only the whole point of the league is kind of to branch those gaps so guys have people who can look out for them ahead of time i know a lot of college guys come pro guys come back and want to find gyms and a lot of college guys want to find pathways to get to where they're at so trying to put all those guys together and create a good environment for that and then uh doing training so synergy training as well all around the gta for for college level guys who are trying to find that that one thing that can kind of set them apart, look over game film, all that kind of stuff, get really in, in depth of that training. So any guys out there who's looking for that, follow me on Instagram, hit me up, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Me, uh, I'm on Instagram, so Coach O. Wilshire uh, on Instagram. So I do also connect with uh, Unity Sports, uh, Unity Sports, uh, that's at Unity, Unity SE. As well, too, we do uh, Men's League Scarborough uh, and also dabbling into uh, some grassroots house leagues for beginner basketball, you know, trying to initiate the passion uh, uh, yeah, and the love of the game, basically. Uh, so if you're, if you're a kid from ages 7 to 12 that 
you know, right now it's through Zoom, unfortunately. And hopefully the main street you can get uh, hopefully you can get to a gym, find a gym that you know, that we can uh, make our own. But for now that's what it is. And lastly, uh, for any future women recruits, just go to uh, w, uh, CBC, Huskies, WBB uh, on Instagram and hit me up there and uh, we'll, we can talk. We can talk. <laughs> nope. Um, Instagram, TV.905. Um, and again, man, just trying to get these guys ready for this season. Um, us as well at St. FX, where uh, we host nationals this year. Um, you know, Coach K's last year, we're trying to send them off right. So, um, guys just moving into town um, in the next couple of weeks, um, trying to be safe, follow the protocols, yep. um, you know, and hopefully everything goes well where we can start get going and everyone kind of, you know, watch the game that we love. And, you know, hopefully the CBL keeps finishing off strong because I think that's nice. going to be a good kind of determinant yep. of like um, what's going to be happening with us, right? So, okay. keep your fingers, yeah, exactly. Let's keep our fingers crossed and hopefully um, everything's back to normal as soon as possible. Nice. And you can follow me at the Senator, D-A-S-E-N-A-T-O-R. Make sure to follow the Not So Soft podcast. We release episodes every Friday. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel for the Chatroom podcast. It's at the Chatroom podcast. And make sure to just subscribe and share this page and share the Instagram page with everybody. It's at the dot chatroom pod. So once again, we want to thank all the coaches for coming on. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Your inputs you. and your perspectives were really great, and it's going to be well uh, taken in by the people that are listening to it. We have such a different variations of audience that just appreciates basketball and wants to learn basketball from different aspects, which is why we want to bring in everybody from different levels so that they can get different insights as the podcast keeps growing and getting, getting bigger. So once again, thank you very much for being on here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And this, and this has been the chat room podcast, your favorite baller's favorite podcast. Make sure to subscribe, like we said, and be safe. Have a great one. And we'll work on the next episode. (laughs) Peace. Peace.